Welcome to the Dudes and Dad podcast. This is Jason Weir. I'm taking over today, kind of like hijacking the podcast, so let's get into it. You're listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMont and Andy Lehman. Well, we're not really true on that. This is uh, Jason here. I've uh, hijacked the uh, podcast while Joel and Andy are taking a nap. So you'll have to um, deal with this today and uh, see how we do. So very excited today to have on uh, guest uh, Greg Serafano is with me and um, he's got some good experiences. But Greg, um, why don't we start out first of all with your um, basically your dad stats. Tell us a little bit about you. I am uh, 56 years old. That's not true. I'm 57 years old. And uh, my wife and I have been married for 35 years. And we have four children. And uh, our oldest is 31. And um, our youngest is 26. My youngest is my daughter. She is um, She's married. And then I've got three boys, um, Clint, Ryan, and Timothy. And uh, they, are, um, they are 31, 29, and 20 eight years old. So, um, that's probably not exactly right either. We just talked about this a minute ago, didn't we? And I still don't think I have it right. Yes, we did. But it's hard to remember sometimes some days, just like you do, I forget my own age and yeah, I'm that's like, right. I'm, I'm way off. So, uh, what about yourself? What do you do for a living? I am, uh, currently the pastor of the Osceola Grace Church in Osceola, Indiana. And, uh, I have been on staff there for, the last 19 years, and before that, I spent 16 years in the uh, steel industry, um, just working for one company with a, a man from my church, and uh, he grew his company into a, a pretty large company, and we we had a great time growing it together. So um, this is the, basically my second career right now. Excellent, excellent. Uh, hope to hear more about that as we get talking. So a um, little bit of the topic for today um, is sharing your story, because I think stories are very important. So, um, why don't you share your kind of st- your story with us? And okay, well, um, my uh, my wife and I were, like I said, married thirty five years ago, and uh, we we uh, we had dated for quite some time. So we um, we actually um, we actually felt like, well, you know what? It's uh, and we were married for a year, and it's like we need to go ahead and start a family. So we started a family fairly quickly, and our kids were uh, basically around the two. Um, Two years apart, uh, most of uh, like kind of eighteen months to two years apart. But um, we had three boys and um, and a girl, and uh, we learned uh, very quickly that uh, raising children is uh, is something that's kind of a learn on the go sort of process. Um, you can read all kinds of books and all of that, but um, as you're as you're raising your kids, you just find out uh, their personalities are extremely different, and what works with one child doesn't work with another. So uh, we um, we learned quickly we just had to adapt our parenting techniques uh with the kids along the way and uh one of the things that uh many of the time we heard from our kids was um, well that's not fair um you didn't punish you know this kid that way and uh, we're like you know what here's the thing you're gonna have to learn life's not fair so you're just gonna have to get used to that and uh and we're right you know i didn't punish him for that because um he reacts differently than you do and so we're gonna we're gonna handle this a little differently with you and they don't they didn't appreciate that but um, but we loved them and we cared for them and we tried to teach them godly principles all the way through. So, um, it was, uh, is, is a challenge as we were raising kids, trying to figure out what worked and what didn't. And, um, as we were, 
uh, trying to trying to do life and trying to raise kids. Um, like I mentioned, I was uh, working for a steel company. I did that for uh, 16 years, and then um, God called me into ministry, and uh, we decided to, that uh, over the course of time that that was probably um, exactly what God was calling us into, even though we were not um, uh, not as willing to to just jump and do that. And uh, we talked about it for a long time. We prayed about it for a long time, but we um, decided to go ahead and follow that calling. And um, God has blessed us. God's taken care of us. But uh, along the way, we um, we noticed some adjustments, even in in how we were raising our kids with some of that. Uh, being in ministry uh, puts a little bit of a different spin on things sometimes. And uh, and our our kids probably face some undue pressure at times to behave like a pastor's kid. And uh, and we would uh, we would be as clear as we could with uh, the fellow parents around us that. Um, really wasn't always um, fair to say because you're a pastor's kid, you got to behave a little better. Yeah, and, their, their, their expectations um, of the people around there say, yeah, well, your kids must be perfect because of who you are. So, yep. Yeah. That was always a, that was always a fun one to, to have to walk that path through that. So um, people, I think got to the place where they understood that. But um, one of the things that uh, as we were raising our kids that we found to be the most helpful was we, uh, surrounded ourselves with some families that had kids of similar ages that were of the same faith as us. us. And uh, and so, you know, they went to church with us. Um, in fact, I believe all of those families that we did that with all, um, all went to church with us uh, at one time or another. And uh, we would camp together. We would go to um, ball games together. We, would just, we just did a lot of life together. And um, and that was probably the the greatest thing we could do was to surround ourselves with some like-minded parents who had maybe a little different parenting techniques than us, but um, we all we all shared in in the uh, in the process of raising our kids. And uh, there was one family in particular that um, I mean, if my two boys and one of their boys got in some trouble, we just lined them up and disciplined all three of them. You know, it was it was just the way you did it. And uh, and so we. Uh, we had um, a good tribe around us to make that happen, and I would always recommend that to people to to try to do that. Um, surround yourself with like-minded people. That's helpful. Very good. Um, so were you always at Osceola Grace, so you walked with the same people all the way through or there, or was it somewhere else? No, I was, uh, I've was. i been at Osceola Grace since I was in about seventh grade. Um, I convinced my mom that that was a place we should go because I had a better youth group. Uh, to be honest with you, it was because there was a girl in that youth group I wanted to date. But um, we ended up there in about seventh grade, and I've been there ever since. So um, it's been the same group of people ever since. Some of them have kind of come and gone, uh, but that's okay. I mean, you know, you find yourself in different stages of life. Some of them moved away and, and that sort of thing. But um, in the child-raising stages, we had a group around us pretty much that whole time. Very good. So you mentioned that your uh, children were kind of um, different. So you had different disciplines, different um, different things that you had to provide for them. I'm assuming. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Um, just just the idea that I mean, like our firstborn son was one who would um, you would say, you know, you need to stop doing that, or you need to do this. You need to take the trash out. He was he was like, okay, and I mean, I'll take the trash out. I need to go take the trash out. Uh, our our secondborn son, um, you would say, you need to take the trash out. And he would just not do it. And, uh, and so then he would, you'd say, I thought, thought you were going to take the trash out. He might say he was going to do it, but he wouldn't do it. And he might say, you know, I thought you were going to take the trash out. And he's like, well, you know, I mean, I didn't know exactly what you meant. And I'm like, okay, well, how about this? 
right now in this minute, you are going to go over there and you're going to take the trash bag out of the trash with the trash in it. And you're going to tie it up and you're going to take it out into the garage and you're going to put it in the trash container out in the garage. And then you're going to come back and you're going to put a new trash liner in there. Is that clear enough for you? And he's like, yes. So, you know, they're just different. You had to, one would find a way around it. The other one was very compliant. And, um, and then, you know, our third son was, uh, um, he, he, he was one who just, uh, he was just sneaky. He's just sneaky all the time. And um, he would find a way to do things he didn't want to, that you didn't want him to do, but he would find a way around it. And, um, and then our daughter came along and I'm telling you what, that just, you just, everything we learned was just out the window. Um, there's just nothing you could do that, uh, that was by the book there. Um, it was just a whole different bag of tricks for us. We were trying to figure that out. Um, what comes with a young little girl like that is a whole set of emotions that we we're like, I don't even know how to deal with this. You know, I could say, hey, your hair looks nice. And she'd be like, oh, thank you. And the next day I could say, hey, your hair looks nice. Same tone, same moment, same everything. And she would be like, what do you mean my hair looks horrible? I'm like, I didn't say that at all. So, you know, you just couldn't win. It was just, uh, but so we learned uh, as we grew up, they were just very different. And um, we learned that even as they got older, that um, there were just a lot of different things going on with their lives there too. Um, my, uh, my third son, Ryan, um, just landed in a, in a place uh, that we didn't realize he was in shortly out of high school where he was um, abusing drugs. And, uh, um, and he ended up getting addicted to drugs for a period of time there. And uh, it was probably from about the age of 18 through about um, 20, 26 or so. And, uh, and we didn't know that until he was till about 26 or so when uh, we, we had found out that um, just a whole lot of different circumstances came up where um, we were, he was always, they were, he and his wife were always without money and we were trying to figure out why were they were always broke and we just couldn't figure it out. And we were trying to help them. And um, along the way we discovered that, um, that he'd been stealing and then trying to pay people back. And then he would steal from us and try to, you know, pawn different things that we had. And um, so over the, over a couple of years, um, he, uh, it, it finally all came out and we discovered how much he had stolen and, and the pattern of life that he was in. And, uh, so we, we had some rough conversations about that. He went away to rehab and, um, but in the, in the process of all of that, um, he and his wife ended up divorced. Um, he was not really, even though he wasn't on drugs any longer, he was not, um, he, he wasn't done with that lifestyle. And, uh, so he was still, finding ways to um, either buy drugs or sell drugs or something like that, um, or just uh, finding a way to, to make a quick buck. And it was never a legal way to do so. And he found his, himself in some circumstances where uh, he just, um, he owed people money. Um, he, uh, he'd, he'd uh, gotten caught with something and he was trying to avoid the police now. And so he's, there's a whole variety of things. And we, um, we just had a tough time with, uh, with trying to deal with all of that as a, you know, he's an, he's an adult at that point and he's making his own choices. So, um, so we tried to, tried to walk through some of that with him. And, uh, there came a point where, um, he was, he had, he had come over one day and, uh, and just was, uh, trying to get away from the people he was around. He just said, they're exhausting me. So he, he came over and he stayed with us for a little while, but it turns out he just took a nap and he wanted to go back then. And uh, he didn't have his license or a vehicle at that point. So we, I took him back over there. And, um, and these were some people that were just, they just weren't good people. They were, they were a horrible influence on him. And um, not that he had good things happening right now, but he just, he was, 
he was just in a really bad place. And um, there's a lot to be said about um, recognizing when somebody has some mental health issues and even um, some spiritual health issues, which we, he knew that, and he was working at coming back, but um, he was he was experiencing depression to a, a huge degree. And um, we were trying to work through some of that with him, but uh, the bottom line was that he came to a point where he needed to... Um, I just I told him one day when I took him back uh, to his house, the place that he was renting. Um, I, I just said, "Look, Ryan, it's it's uh, here. Here's here's the thing: that everything you're telling me about where you're going right now doesn't sound legal. It doesn't sound um, right. It doesn't sound like you're moving in a good direction. And I think the next thing you need to do, and we'll walk with you through this, is you need to walk into a police station. We need to just tell them who you are. We need to walk through this process. You need to." Go through the legal process. If you spend time in jail, we will be with you through that whole process. On the other side of that, you can come out and you're not going to have to be looking over your shoulder all the time. And you're going to be able to put that behind you and we'll, and we'll help you move on. We'll help you get a job. We'll, everything, everything you need will be part of that. We'll be praying you through all of that. And we will, and we'll help you with whatever needs you might have. And he, uh, he, he said, man, I, I appreciate that. Um, I know I know that's what I should do. I'm just not there yet. And so I said, well, here's the deal. Here's, here's the deal. Your mom and I can't keep up doing this. So we're going to ask you to um, not contact us any longer and not come around until you're ready to take that step to walk into a police station. And um, he said, wow, I get that. I understand that. I mean, it, it was, he, he had those moments where he agreed and he understood where we were at. And he said, I understand dad. And I said, Ryan, I want you to know I love you. And he said, I know. And, and he hugged me and um, told me he loved me too. And uh, he, he had hugged his mom before he left and told her he loved her too. But um, that uh, following Thursday, we, uh, I texted him and I said, are you ready to, to go yet? This is going to be a weekly thing. Every Thursday, I'm going um, to text you. And uh, so I said, are you ready to go to the police station yet? Um, if you are, then let's go. I'll pick you up. And uh, he said, no, not, not at this point. I'm working through that. But he said, I love you, Dad. I thank you. Thanks for texting me. I appreciate that. And um, the, next, uh, the next night, Friday night, um, he uh, got into an encounter with a guy who was jealous of the girl that he was dating and uh, an ex-boyfriend. And um, at that point, they both um, had guns. They shot at each other. And um, my son was shot in the head and killed at that point. So um, Saturday was a rough day for us. Uh, we found out about 3.30 in the morning. Um, police knocked on our door, woke us up, and shared that information that he had died um, almost immediately at the scene. And um, so there we sat and um, tried to figure out what we were going to do. I've been in um, as a pastor now for... 19 years, um, I've been in circumstances where I spend time with people who have experienced a tragedy. And um, one of the passages I go to is Psalm 27. And um, it's just a great passage. It talks about God is our salvation. He's our light. He's our protection. He protects us from our enemies. It goes on to talk about how we um, we can be part of um desiring to be in his presence and uh, we can find our way into his presence. And uh, 
it's such a great, a great passage because it ends with Psalm 27, 13, and 14. And it says this, David writes, I will be confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so I will wait on the Lord. I will be strong. I will have courage and I'll wait on the Lord. And um, so about 4.30 that morning, we opened up the Bible and read that passage and just prayed together. And I said, I, I don't know what, uh, I don't know what to expect. I don't know how to see goodness from any of this, but uh, the promise is there. And uh, so we need to hang on to that promise. And so we have, um, we're going to hang on to that and, and uh, wait on the Lord and try to be strong and try to have courage and, um, and just wait till we can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And, um, and it's been interesting to watch. Um, that was August 22nd of last year. And, uh, here we are yesterday was 10 months and, um, it's just not any easier. It's different. We've seen the goodness of the Lord a lot. We've seen some people come to know Christ who were at his funeral. Uh, we've seen a young man uh, come back into our life who um, was a friend of Ryan's, and we've been working on mentoring him, and he's, um, he's trying. He's just trying. He's, uh, he's got, I think, some of the same mental health uh, issues of depression and just getting in his head on times about things that uh, Ryan had, and so we're trying to work with him on that, and um, he's just become a part of our family, and we're trying to love him. Um, we've seen a, um, just a, a number of different people that have um, that have been able to walk into our lives, and we've been able to minister to. Um, just recently, there was a young man who was killed in a hit and run accident um, here in Elkhart, and uh, the extended family goes to our church, and uh, so they ended up asking if I would do the funeral. And uh, the privilege of doing this funeral for a family, um, being able to know and feel their hurt. Um, of tragically having lost a, a son at a very early age who um, was dealing with a lot of the same things that Ryan had dealt with and was trying to find his way. And, um, and to be able to do that funeral and speak to that crowd from a place of knowing what those people are feeling right now um, was an incredible honor. And uh, hard, but, uh, but an incredible honor. So um, I see God using us. Um, my wife has had many privileges to speak into the lives of of some people who um, have faced some tragedy. So um, it's drawn our family closer. Um, it's allowed me to talk more with my other two sons and with my daughter. Um, not that we weren't talking, but we just have learned the importance of making that um, making those conversations happen more often. Uh, I've got one son and um, his wife and my grandkids in Ohio, and I've got another son and um, his wife and uh, my soon-to-be grandchild, uh, I don't know what it is yet, um, in uh, Germany right now. So um, we find we have to find intentional ways to talk together and spend time together. But, uh, but we've found ways to do that even more, and it's deepened our relationships, I think, because of that. So yes. you're, you're, I like the part where you're, you're talking about the intentionality, the more urgency, the more... Um, this can't be put off till tomorrow type of uh, feelings that you feel. But then also 
the the young man that's come into your life that was Ryan's friend, mm-hmm. um, moving back into your life, and you see the urgency there too. Um, do you have a passage from Job that you want to share? Is it a good time? Yeah, um, somewhere along the uh, somewhere along the way there. So uh, just real quick, um, I don't know that I need to get into all of the details, but one month after my son was killed, um, my parents. My wife's parents were killed in a tragic car accident. Um, they both died at the same time. And, um, and so we had to process all of that. And, uh, and then about a month later, um, we found out that my dad had um, cancer and that uh, he'd had it for so long and it had been undiagnosed because of a variety of issues, um, partly because he's a stubborn Italian man and, uh, and, wouldn't, uh, and wouldn't really... Um, let out what he was feeling. So um, it took a long time to diagnose it, but by the time it was diagnosed, the doctor basically said, you you don't have very long to live, and this is not really something at your age that we're able to treat and, and beat with how far it's advanced. And so um, we found that out within uh, a month after my in-laws had died, and, uh, and then within two more weeks, uh, my dad died. So in a three-month window um, from August 22nd to November 16th, uh, we lost four people. Um, my son, my in-laws, and my dad. And then my daughter uh, had just found out she was pregnant, and she ended up losing the baby as well very early in her pregnancy. So it was, um, um, there's a lot there. And somebody came along at one point and said to me, man, it, if there was ever a modern-day Job, I feel like you're the guy. And uh I never really had thought a whole lot about that. And so I, I went back and I just, and it's like, you know, I get that. I mean, the difference might be that it was spread out a little bit, whereas Job in the beginning of Job, it, it talks so much about, um, you know, just like as one servant was speaking, the next servant came in. And uh, so this poor Job, I mean, he just, he just got all the bad news, just one right after the other. But what amazed me about it was when I went back to read about that again, just to kind of refresh my mind, um, it says right after Job hears the last bit of bad news, it says in uh, chapter 1, verse 20, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. I thought, man, that's not the response. I, I mean, part of that is my response. Part of that is, um, you know, I just, I feel like mourning. I feel like grieving. But... Um, I want to be the guy who can worship God in all of this. And, uh, and so I thought, man, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to find a way that in my grief, I can still worship God. And, uh, and so that's something that my wife and I have been trying to do. We've been trying to find ways to um, be genuine in our worship of who God is, not on a Sunday necessarily. I mean, Sundays are Sundays. I mean, that's when we all gather to worship. But worship is that um, deeper, intimate relationship that we can have with God 24-7. And, um, and that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm trying for. And um, so somewhere around end of November, beginning of December, I thought, man, I need to find a way to focus more on my worship with God. And um, so... It was, I mean, that's, that's just a big part of, um, of really trying to figure out this whole process. Uh, we went through a, a, a class at the beginning of the year. Um, it's called uh, Grief Share. It's a, it's a na- nationwide kind of a program. It's sort of a video process, but uh, you go through 13 weeks of watching these videos on how to handle grief, and, and those are amazing. They're, they're definitely well done. 
but what was the most impactful there was the privilege of being able to sit with other people in the same room week after week who have lost people and to hear their story and to hear um, each week how we're progressing and how we're learning and, and how we're processing our grief. And to do that with, with people who have a common loss is, has been amazing. And it, and it really helped us significantly to be able to walk through that. It, um, it gave us some really good tools to deal with our grief, but, um, but in, in all of that, we, we just, we just tried to, to find how, how do we keep worshiping God through all of this? And, um, there's just some ways we, we found to deal with it. Um, we also found we're both my wife and I moving at a different pace. Um, and that's okay. That's the thing is, but we're trying to learn each other's pace and, and how we can help each other through it all. Yeah. And I, I believe you both have to find your, your own healing. Um, after Ryan's, after Ryan's death, uh, just watching you, I, I wasn't expecting you to get up and do a service. Mm. Um, but I remember watching that funeral service. It was, it was the COVID era. So, you know, yep. I wanted to be there to see you in person, but you know, there's smaller crowds, but just to watch you and hear you deliver that message. And it was real. It was just so real. Um, you don't back down. Mm-mm. But it's also, I'm assuming, part of the healing process for you to be able to share there and a message and to share for other people to hear and to make sure a story just doesn't die with him. Right. That's In fact, that's one of the things we even talked about was, um, I think even in that message, I said, don't let Ryan's death be in vain. Um, if today's the day you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, then make it, the, make it today. Don't, don't put it off. Um, you don't know, you don't have tomorrow promised to you. And, um, you know, we saw that with Ryan and, uh, we saw that with our in-laws and, and to, uh, to stand up there, that was the hardest thing I think I've ever done is to preach my own son's funeral. But, um, we, I think we all felt that was necessary and uh, important to do. And, um, and so, so I did, um, God gives you the strength to do those things. He carries you through. There were a few moments I had to stop and gather myself, but that's understandable and um, completely excusable. I have absolutely no shame in that. So it is what it is. Yeah, your your story is amazing to me. Um, it's an inspiration just to um, see what you do. Um, I guess the main reason I ever even got introduced to you is our marked men, and you're a marked man yourself. Yep. Um, we, we met at your church and then uh, a few of the guys there said, Hey, come and do a fight club with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so for a while there, you not only did fight clubs, but you led uh, our fight clubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, I can remember one day uh, sitting out in the tree stand and texting with you and Zeb about something about fight club. And um, I think we're sharing pictures. I think you were out hunting at the same time. I, I was sitting right. out in a tree stand, and yep. we're, I don't know, we started talking about guns or something, and then you're like, you guys are just nuts. I mean, you told Zeb and I that, but um, you, you've, you've stopped doing the fight club at this point, and you are doing some other ministries, mm-hmm. uh, men's ministries. Um, do you want to explain a little bit about that? And Well, we, um, we've... Uh, Fight Club is an amazing program. Um, I just I had I had a little bit of trouble um, at a I don't know probably our fifth or sixth chapter 
uh, with some of the, that most of the guys I had helping lead that were older guys and they were just, um, I think a little bit burned out on it. They were solid, faithful believers. And, um, so they, they kind of got a little tired of that and we said, well, let's take a little break and let's try a couple of other things. And so we've done a couple of little retreats. Um, we've got some, um, we've, we've been recruiting men to try to go to a marked men. Um, that's a great weekend and it's a great ministry to be able to get some people involved in and, and just to have a, that transformo- transformational moment in your life where you come to grips with what our role is as men and, uh, and to be able to move forward with that. So, um, we're, uh, we've just, we don't really have a whole lot of, um, of major men's ministries going on right now. What we're actually trying to do is just, uh, is work at pouring into individual men, uh, with a discipleship process. And, uh, and so that's kind of what we're doing right now. That's, um, it's, it's got, it's, it's the one thing we're doing that is just moving some people forward and, and getting them down the road a little bit. But, um, I've got, I've got some other ideas bouncing around in my head about some things that are going on in just in, in, uh, in the idea of, of trying to get guys away from their life for three or four days and turn off the phone and walk away and get out into the woods. And, um, it's interesting you asked me about this because I haven't really shared it with too many people, but, um, I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, of working out the, the, um, the plans to be able to do like a, like a three or a four day hike, um, with a, uh, with a destination in mind, and uh, and just the the goal of uh, trying to be able to get away to, with some men and and be able to get them out of their comfort zone, out of the normal routine, and be able to just spend time talking about what's going on in their lives. Um, I've had some time to be able to talk to some different men that have also lost children, and uh, and that's been a great opportunity to be able to pour into them a little bit. But um, uh, they've and they've poured into me as well. That's that's been a mutual uh, benefit there. But um, that's. That's kind of where it's at right now, but um, we've we've seen a lot of progress come from uh, some of the men's ministries that we've tried in the past, and and even are um, trying to work to formulate right now. Is any of the um, like the men's ministry you were doing this before Ryan's death, but mm-hmm. is is any of that in your heart right now also to help equip men to be ready? for if this moment ever comes through, you know, whether they're parenting younger children or older children, I, I think. Um, maybe in answer to that question, I, I think the answer is yes, but I think the I think the real answer to that question actually is to there's no being ready. Um, the only being ready is to is to work every single day at developing a solid foundation of faith and trust in God. Um, and and I can tell you that I've uh, as I've read God's word and as I've taught God's word and as I've tried to live God's word. Um, and I and I fail a lot at that. I, I need you need to all understand that. I mean, if that, if, that, if that phrase can go at the beginning of this podcast, that would be awesome because because I, I don't have it all together. Um, but but what I have learned is that in um, so I got saved when I was about seven years old, and when I was thirteen, I realized it was more than fire insurance. This was actually I'm supposed to be living for something, not just avoiding hell. And um, and so thirteen, I started to change a little bit, and by the time I was around um, seventeen or eighteen, I I. I transformed a little bit more. And um, when I started having kids, I realized the responsibility as a dad that I have to raise these kids and to teach them God's word. And so I, it, it became real to me then. And I began pouring myself more into God's word and trying to pass that on to my children and live it for them and model it for them. But um, what, I've, what I know is this, I've said for years that God is a sovereign God um, it says in Isaiah that he brings both the the, the goodness and the calamity. He, he makes them both. And uh, 
And when you read in the book of Job and, and the things that happened there, God was instrumental in that. Even though Satan got to have a certain amount of sway there, God was the one that controls the winds and the and the the rain and, and everything else. He's the one who makes those things happen. So um I don't like the phrase um, that God allowed this to happen. Uh, I believe that God is instrumental in making it happen. And as much as I hate the fact that my son was killed, um, the only way I could make it through that is is to know the foundation that I've already been building all the way along the way. I had no idea I was building a foundation so that I would still be able to stand on two feet after that. Um, Because that's... That's that's just ground shattering is what that is. It's I mean it's just it destroys the very foundation of everything you thought. You're not supposed to be burying your kids. Um, that's not the way this is supposed to work. And yet, the only way I made it through that, and that we've made it through that, and been able to even recover from that is um, is the fact that our faith was constantly growing, and we believed and we said many times before that God's sovereign. He can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it to bring himself the most glory. We're not here on this earth for us. We're here on this earth to be able to bring people to Jesus Christ and to be able to give God the glory for all of that. That's our that's our why we're here. So when you understand that and you and you tell yourself that over and over and over again and you try to live toward that end when this happens, when tragedy hits, whatever that tragedy might be for you. When that tragedy hits, your only place to go back to is the place that you've been in already. It's got to be familiar to you. And when it's familiar to you, um, you're going you're gonna to find safety in that and hope in that and joy in that, even in the worst of circumstances. So, yes, um, I want to prepare men for whatever tragedy is coming, but I want to prepare them for whatever good thing is coming as well. I want to prepare them for whatever God has on their horizon. And if I can be a little instrumental part in that, and just mentoring a guy for 96 hours and just pouring into him for 96 hours and and help him experience that that some of that transformational moment that he needs to experience then absolutely that's what I want to be a part of and that's that's a big part of it that's excellent and i i think about that where do you lean into as you know times get tough do you do you lean you learn when you're younger or you learn along the journey where to lean into, whether that's, you know, food, whether it's alcohol, and, or whether it's ultimately the ultimate where we're supposed to lean into, and that's God when we have problems. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, where does our strength come from? You know, do we cower, do we run away, or do we just lean into God and move forward in his strength? So uh, that is that is very good. Uh, do you have anything else you want to share here towards the end or last part of your... Um, I don't know. Um a lot of this was just me telling a story, so I don't know exactly uh, how to wrap all of that up other than just to say um, God's, God's got all of us on this earth for a purpose, and, uh, and, and we've got we've to find our way to chase whatever that, that purpose is that God has for us, and it's going to look different for each guy. So um, I do know if you're a dude, then, uh, then you've got to find what um, what pushes those buttons and what God wants for you to do in that way. And if you're a dad, um, you've got to pour into your kids and you've got to love them. And you, and, and I can tell you this, you got to love your wife. Um, because while you're loving your wife, your kids are seeing that and they're learning what a marriage should look like. And, um, and so you got to pour yourself into that as well. And, um, 
I mean, dudes and dads is a, is a great idea. It's a great concept. It's a great, uh, I mean, to be able to communicate these stories is amazing. And um, I think we just need to find the best way to continue to um, encourage guys along the way. I think this is great. Yeah, and I shared with you and we we're talking about this, you know, like God gives us a story for a reason. And it's our job to share it no matter what it is, whether it's, you know, that miraculous healing. I, 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 I want to tell people, you know, you could pray for a miraculous healing and it's going to be a great thing but then you're going to have a great story that has to be told. Um, and no matter, no matter what happens to you though, you have to tell your story and that's why it was given to you. So Greg, I'd like to thank you very much for coming out here today and, uh, sharing with us. Uh, your story has been very, um, very moving for me, even, even here as you're sharing it. And I, I know a lot of it and, but you know, I'm just a little bit, you know, my eyes just can't stay totally dry because it just means so much to me to hear your story and hear where you're walking through it. So, um, how do people get a hold of you if they want to get a hold of you? Maybe they're interested in some of your men's ministry. Maybe they're interested in even just coming out and uh, learning from you or being part of your community. Um, my email address is G Serafino. My first name, first letter, last name, G Serafino at OseolaGrace.net, and um, that's probably your best way to get hold of me. Um, not sure if it's wise for me to just throw my cell phone number out there. So I'll leave that off for right now. Yeah, I think we'll leave that off. Um, <laughs> any of the socials like, um, I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I don't really follow that a whole lot. So, I mean, I check in there every once in a while, but I've found I can go down that rabbit hole too deep. So I, um, I just, I stay off unless I'm posting something. I, I usually post a daily verse. So if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's G Serafino. If you want to follow me on Facebook, it's just look up Greg Serafino and you should be able to find me there. Um, and I accept just about any friend request. So don't shoot it my way and I'll do that. But, um, I put a verse out there every day or two that, uh, speaks to me and, um, you can, you can find that some encouragement maybe in that. Yes, yes. I, I found encouragement. I'm friends with you on the Bible app too. Oh, that's so right. So I get to yep. see you creating those. Um, <laughs> and then later on, you know, like when I find you on Instagram, I'll find you sharing that verse. And it's been very encouraging. Um, I'm very glad you're doing that and putting that out there. Uh, one of the things that they do here at the Dudes and Dads podcast that I cannot forget to do is, um, or not, I'm sorry, on the Dudes and Dads pop quit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a rookie. <laughs> At the Dudes and Dads podcast is have the Dudes and Dads uh, pop quiz. So I'm going to give the little intro music here. Gotcha. Now it's time for Dudes and Dads pop quiz. Oops. Now it's time well, for I Dudes we're gonna do and it Dads again, pop I guess, you quiz. Know? There you go. All right. So this is the part where we're just going to ask you a random question. I'm just going to ask you a random question here. Okay. Uh, well, not so random. They're written down here, so I don't have to think too hard. Uh, but this is something that you'll have to think of, and this just gets us to know you a little bit more. All right. So um, what would be your best day ever? Oh, man. My best day ever would be an amazing freshly snowed, uh, like uh, uh, being out in the woods with the ground freshly covered with snow on opening day and having a buck walk by and just in range and stopping where he needs to so I can shoot him with my bow and arrow. That would be a, that'd be like the best day ever. And to make it even better would be to have been able to sit out there all day long and just enjoy watching it and then have that happen like just before um, sunset. That'd be perfect. That's great. I like, I like that story. I want that same, one. I want that same day too. So maybe the, maybe this year would be our lucky year. I think you got one last year, didn't you? I did. Yes. Yes. I saw that picture. 
Um, if there was a sandwich named after you, what would you want to be on it? Wow. This is interesting. All right. So a sandwich that I want to be named after. I don't don't care what the name is. So um, what I want on it is a medium rare hamburger, about a, probably about a um, third pound hamburger with bacon on top of that and a bunch of those little fried onion things on top of that. And then, um, and, and then like a, a whole layer of barbecue sauce over all of that on like one of those pretzel buns. That would be it. I don't know what you call it. But delicious sounds good. Well, well, we'll name it the Craig if we um, if we if I ever if open a restaurant one. and right. uh, create that for you, and you're you probably have to come and eat it and get your picture taken. That's a name that will draw the crowds. Is the Greg? The Greg, yep. yeah, you know yep, that'll do it. <laughs> well, it'd probably be easier than having people try to order the Serafano. So. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one last question here. Um, this this one's a this one might be a little bit harder here. Uh, if there is one bad habit. Or what's the one bad habit you're trying to get rid of? The one bad habit I'm trying to get rid of. It almost feels like confession time. Yeah, you're not kidding. It does. Um, Well, partly as a result of um, all of the stuff that's happened to us in the last 10 months, um, I've not run... I've spent a lot of time on the couch and I eat out of control. So the one bad habit I'd like to get rid of is me being a sloth right now. So that's probably that's probably the best thing to talk about. Yes, I, I can understand that one. I only <laughs> recently started picking back up running again. I saw that. And um, I'm, I'm trying to run a mile a day, every day, no matter what. And if it's cold outside, if it's hot, if it's whatever, uh, the other day, I don't like to run when it's hot. I much rather mm-hmm. run when it's cold, you know, me too. And the other day I was like, okay, my wife comes home at the end of a Friday and she goes, uh, let's go out to eat tonight. And I'm thinking, oh, I haven't done my run yet today because the day started out hard. <laughs> so what do I do? I go out there and it was like 88 degrees last Friday and oh, I go man. run my mile in 88 degree heat, uh, which for me is just like, uh, overwhelming right and uh get back and you know just take a quick cold shower and then go out to eat so yeah it's hard it's hard to get started Um, that's the truth yeah so few information here about the dudes and dads podcast if you want to get a hold of us uh, you can leave us a voicemail with any feedback at 574-213-8702 and once again that is a voicemail only box so don't expect to hear andy pick up the phone and say hey how you doing uh but what you will have is uh, opportunity to leave a message and then you can also go to the dudes and check out the podcast and um you know the guys always love a good uh view and rating in itunes so if you can go there and leave a du- uh, dudes and dads uh your awesome podcast uh review or Uh, Give them some good stars and some good feedback. That helps out very much. So I want to thank you, uh, Greg, once again for being on here today. It was uh, excellent. Um, I I think I just want to come in here and host this podcast just to hang out with you today. So um, I'm glad we got to hang out. Yeah. Thanks for the honor and the invite. Hey, thank you very much. And um, as as they say on the outro here, uh, peace and grace, we're out.